rxmuscle.com brings you Quantum Physiques, building strength and power for your mind, your body, and your spirit. Alternative medicine, muscle growth, mood enhancement, motivation, putting your mind at ease, harnessing your maximum potential. Quantum Physiques, here's your host, Brian Cunningham. And welcome to another episode of Quantum Physiques, where we strive to build strength and power for mind, body, and spirit. I'm your host, Brian Cunningham, coming to you every week, of course. One of the things I love about the show is the absolute complete dichotomy of guests and ideas we bring on. Last week, of course, we were talking about the fighter Joe Rogan and, uh, you know, alluding to his experiences on the spirit molecule DMT as a way to open up the mind and transcend the matrix. And our next guest is somebody who in his past as a highly decorated D agent might have actually put Joe in jail for using DMT or the spirit molecule. Funny that one of the recent uh, movies uh, coming out from Hollywood here is, uh, you know, touting the expendables and people like Stallone and Schwarzenegger and Chuck Norris, you know, characters that go way back as far as being very strong and powerful. Our next guest is actually a real life expendable. He is literally a Chomsky on steroids, although don't take me literally because of course, in the wake of the Lance Armstrong scandal, it seems like Americans have a tough time uh, understanding what goes on behind the scenes of, of our supposed heroes. Mike Levine is a highly decorated, one of the most highly decorated DEA agents, an accomplished martial artist, and also a New York Times bestseller of many books. Uh, my internet connection right is down right now, so I can't give you all the rest of his uh, amazing history. But when I first met him, probably like 10 to 15 years ago, I often said to my friends, this man has led a life of mythic proportions. Uh, Mike, welcome to Quantum Musiques. Oh, thanks for all the kind words. I'm happy to be here, Brian. Great. Now, Mike, you are an accomplished martial artist, and I believe you actually were uh, or were not in the, uh, the Olympic team. Is that correct? Uh, no, I was on the. Uh, I fought in the South American uh, Caribbean Championships. I was. Uh, I think we we were the first American team to fight internationally at the time. Okay. And fought in the uh, Police Olympics. And I was actually, I fought under uh, Sensei Chuck Merriman. It was Goju style of karate. And I mentioned him a lot in my books because uh, he affected the philosophy, the teachings, the practice of Goju karate. Uh, it kept me sane. It's something I'm teaching undercover tactics right now for the State Department uh, and teaching in South America. So uh, I've been lecturing in Brazil. And one of the things, one of the common grounds that I have with the police there is the practice of martial arts. A lot of them are involved in it. And it's uh, a sanity maintaining practice in a very, very sick and crazy world that if you engage in undercover work, you immerse yourself in total insanity. And uh, I attribute the martial arts uh, to... Uh, me having come through these years of, I mean, total insanity. Um, you're talking to one of the luckiest men alive. I mean, just to be alive. Well, Mike, when I first met you, I mean, you know, I used to get out of the radio station at BAI and hang out with you. And I said, Mike, how are you still alive? And you would say that if 
they ever, because, uh, I mean, our, our, our listeners don't understand. This is somebody, you can't even create a movie to describe your life and what you've experienced. I mean, I've read a couple of your books, which I believe are actually fiction, right? You were required by contract to make these fictitious writings, right? Not actual factual, even though they're based on your life experience. Is that correct? No, they're, they're factual books. Uh, they're, 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 uh, the Big White Lie, for example, is a a blow-by-blow story of six years of undercover work in South America that literally blew the lid off the CIA protection of uh, uh, drug cartels to the extent that they fostered, they helped bring in the whole crack cocaine epidemic. Uh, the, the big white lie uh, was recently picked up by Evo Morales, the president of uh, Bolivia. Bolivia, that's and right. He held it up to the world's cameras this past March and said, this is why I'm throwing DEA out of this country and banning them for at least his life. I mean, I, you know, the, we just put the big white lie in uh, uh, iBooks now. Because it was a book that when I wrote it, I said, you know, if I could, I would give it to every American. You should read it. You should know the true story of your drug war, uh, documented by tape-recorded conversations, documented by uh, one of your government's highly trained undercover operatives. So, you know, the, the, the book is a horrific condemnation, not of DEA. That's where I think Abel Morales got it wrong. The book is a condemnation of central intelligence. Uh, the book captures the events leading up to the Bolivian Revolution. And uh, and beyond, I the yeah, I capture one scene in the book where and, and it comes right from the tape recordings because I had my house wired in Buenos Aires. I was stationed down there for DEA. And to bring you up to this little scene taken from the book, um, I'm in in my home with two uh, Argentine. Cops, uh, agents slash cops, who at that time were busy killing all the uh, the people in Buenos Aires, in Argentina, who uh, were rumored or some informants said were leftists. Well, they would disappear them. That became los desaparecidos, the disappeared ones. And during that period of time, while these uh, cops were working for DEA and uh, basically were serial killers. They were also working for CIA. Now, I, I show in the book how I know they were working for CIA. You, you couldn't miss it because when they came into the embassy, the Central Intelligence Office was upstairs. Mine was one floor below. Uh, they would sign in and I would be told they're signed in and I would be told that they're going to CIA. An hour or two hours later, they would come to me. So I knew they were on both our payrolls. Now we cut to uh, the drug traffickers whom we, DEA, had targeted in an undercover operation. They, at the time, they were the, the biggest, and we've got secret testimony before Congress that I got a copy of before we could publish the book because the libel lawyers had to see how I documented this. They couldn't believe the story and would not have published it because a lot of it is very libelous. Yeah, the things I wrote about Oliver North, the things I wrote about Pat Sullivan, the, the uh, prosecutor in Miami. Uh, I mean, all of this, if it, it wasn't true, it's just libelous as hell. But I proved it was true and nobody sued me. So the big white yeah. lie is a true story. And anyway, this this event that I keep circling around and not getting to, uh, the two Argentine cops are sitting there drunk and uh, well, they were helping me target 
the uh, the drug cartels, and that is they were giving me logistic help. They were giving me military logistic help to use any means possible to, to put these people in cages, even if we had to drag them across the border in a dog kennel. It, uh, and at the same time, they were working to support them for the for the CIA. CIA called them agents. We called DEA called them informants. And it was, all came to a, a murderous head, and that was the July 17th, 1980, the bloodiest revolution in Bolivia's history, with DEA and CIA pitted on opposite sides, not knowing it until this moment. I, I think CIA knew, CIA knew that we were supporting the, the, uh, the, the um, Bolivian government. We had been working secretly with the Bolivian government to destroy uh, an organization called La Mafia Cruceña, the Santa Cruz Mafia, the Roberto Suarez organization. Roberto Suarez called in secret testimony before Congress by the Medellin cartel, the most powerful drug dealer who ever lived, was a CIA asset. And here's DEA targeting him, and we're relying on the Lydia Gala government in Bolivia to secretly help us, because we had the common enemy. The, the American people, the Bolivian people had one common enemy, Brian, and that was these drug dealers who, by the way, parenthetically, were in the process of marketing something called Pichicata, which later became in the United States famous as crack cocaine. So you can't imagine, sure. how, can, how could a DEA agent... As someone like myself who spent four years in the military and then eventually 26 years as a federal agent, 30 years, how could I, in my wildest imagination, believe that Central Intelligence would be supporting these people? Well, if your listeners just go on YouTube and quote, CIA are drug smugglers, end quote, by Judge Robert Bonner, he's the head of DEA, who years later came out and just said, CIA are drug smugglers, end quote. Uh, he said that on 60 Minutes. If he had said that when the big white lie came out, it was case closed. Uh, you, you, our Congress, you know, our Congress with no cojones, you know what cojones are, uh, to do anything would have probably been forced to take action against this criminal inept agency. But at the time, it was just me and my book out there and my credibility. No, it's incredible. Yeah, and and uh, anyway, the 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 drunken Argentine cops slash serial killers, uh, DEA informants, CIA uh, agents, said to me, "Don't you people talk to each other?" He couldn't believe that I didn't know that CIA was supporting was paying him. We were both paying these guys, so they didn't mind getting money. Uh, playing both sides of the coin. Anyway, that story is in The Big White Lie. And uh, the, it, every conversation in the book is documented by tape recordings. I was wired. I didn't trust anybody at one point. I wired myself everywhere I went. And that's why no one said a damn thing. No one came sure. after me because they didn't want this public. I was asked once, didn't you sign a secrecy agreement? And my answer was uh, on television. Uh, you go on my website, uh, com, or my professional site, which is police tri com. that's policetrialexpert.com, you'll see videos of me on 60 Minutes on every damn show you could imagine saying what I'm saying to you now. 
imagine how libelous, how criminal it is if it weren't true. Uh, they, they are going after this fellow from the SEALs, SEAL Team 6, who wrote a book, and they will go after him. And because, basically, it, the book was really only made just to make some money. Uh, you, you know, there was no... Uh, I wrote a book because I wanted to tell you guys out there who are listening, who have paid a trillion dollars and are still paying for a war on drugs, that's a fraud. You know, it's total fraud. So... Sure. That this... This was a message of the big white lie. And then I wrote Deep Cover. Uh, Deep Cover was a New York Times bestseller. It, uh, Deep, Deep Cover is out there now. It was called by Bill Moyers, one of the most censored by the media books in history. Media did not want to look at it. He said that uh, Congress, uh, Bill Moyers off camera told me, this is the best read book between the beltways and the least talked about. Because if you talk about it, you've got to do something. You have to indict people, and they didn't want to do it. So I'm urging you people to, to, you know, if you doubt me and you want to call me, um, you know, some kind of conspiracy theorist, you know, go ahead, but look at the proof. You know, follow training or government training is look at the evidence. And some of the evidence I put on YouTube myself. Uh, and when you have the head of DEA saying CIA are drug smugglers, what better proof do you need? Sure, sure. I mean, Mike, you know, of course, I remember asking you these questions 15 years ago, and, and you said, because I said, Mike, how do you differentiate, you know, the conspiracy theories that you talk about versus, you know, the outlandish ones like Bigfoot? And you gave me a very salient answer. You're like, Brian, you have to take each case by its evidence and the data and weigh the facts. So it really is case by case. And again, you're a federal court qualified expert witness on, can you put more people in jail for conspiracy than anybody else has? Is that right? Something like that? Well, that's the point. You know, I, I'm, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm a conspiracy practitioner. I was trained by the government to enforce conspiracy laws. Conspiracy is not a theory. Conspiracy is a law. And only the media uses conspiracy as a theory. You know, you, you're a conspiracy theorist. I, what does that mean? You know, do, uh, when media people say this to me, I say, do you know the law of conspiracy? Here you are, you're, you're a New York Times reporter, you're uh, the Washington Post reporter, and you're using the word conspiracy theory, but can you tell me what the law of conspiracy is? You keep using the word. None of them can. It's so ironic. The fact is that conspiracy is the law that we put most drug criminals away under. So when you say conspiracy theory, yeah, you're absolutely right. I'm an expert. I qualify as a court-qualified expert in conspiracy. I testify as one in federal and civil court all the time. So I'm very cautious about what I say because it hurts my credibility. So when you read uh, The Big White Lie and Deep Cover, which was a New York Times bestseller, yet you have to be astonished that nothing was done. I remember when the events happened to me. I mean, part of the story of the big white lie is uh, I was I was put under investigation when the the uh, Bolivian revolution happened, and the very people DEA had targeted uh, took over that country. They murdered and exiled and raped uh, those Bolivian government officials who helped DEA. CIA assets were killing and raping the people who helped DEA. And two of the top traffickers in the world, you know, there was some success in the undercover operation in spite of central intelligence. And that success ended in a, a 
Kendall, Florida, right outside of Miami Bank with me paying $8 million to two drug traffickers. One of them was Jose Roberto Gassa, one of the richest families in Bolivia, for the then biggest load of cocaine in history, a half ton of cocaine. That was the biggest case at that time. And they walk out with the, with $8 million in drug trafficking money. They were arrested. And the United States attorney in Florida, the same man, Pat Sullivan, who would later uh, prosecute that other central intelligence asset, Manuel Noriega. Oh, Noriega, of course. Everyone knows his name. Yeah. Prosecutor, you'll see if you, if you, when you, when you take a look, the big white lie is now $2.99 in iBook. You, uh, you got, you Americans don't read it then shame on you because you're, you're paying trillions and you should know the true history of what you're paying for. In any case, uh, Pat Sullivan releases Gasser, dropping all charges with no explanation. So I write a letter to uh, DEA headquarters. I go up to the, the chain of command because I'm ex-military and I'm a federal agent at that point most of my life. Uh, and I'm a good soldier. As one CIA agent said to me back in uh, Bangkok, Thailand, years before this, uh, I, I was mil very military trained and went through the chain of command, and I got blank, nothing, no response. They allowed the, the people arrested for the biggest drug trafficking case in history at that time to walk under the word of a U.S. attorney, and no one in DEA would open their mouths. That's when I wrote a letter to the media which was probably the biggest mistake of my life because I wrote a letter to Time at Newsweek magazine to two journalists, Larry Roeder and Stephen Strasser. I think since that time they won Pulitzer Prizes and return receipt requested and I got the return receipt uh, that the, the uh, uh, my letter was delivered and in the, in the letter I said, I'm, I'm volunteering. I wrote it on a letterhead. I was the country out of shade, the highest ranking U.S. law enforcement officer at that time in the whole Southern Cone. And I'm saying, I'm going to tell you the truth, what you guys are missing in your magazine. You wrote about the, the Bolivian Revolution and you missed the whole point. You, you, you have to understand that the drug war at that point was no failure. It was sabotage, just sabotage. And I got the return receipt Letter delivered and never heard from them. Two wow. weeks later, I was put under investigation by DEA. And for three years, my life would be torn up. I would be followed, hounded. I would be falsely accused of so many different things. Everything from black marketing to uh, wow. uh, playing my radio too loud in the American embassy and disturbing people. Anything they could think of. Uh, to, uh, I can't believe you weren't shot. I mean, <laughs> I just can't believe it. Well, I, I I was set up to be shot, and I described the whole thing in, in The Big White Lie. Uh, but I was so paranoid at that point that the people who set me up uh, didn't know I was out of the country because I didn't tell anybody in the embassy I was leaving the country. And, Thank God, yeah. And uh, As I said, I'm a very, very lucky man. DEA then transfers me under investigation, contracts on my life. Uh, they they called me Julio uh, Tegueno, the, the drug traffickers, because I did manage to steal a couple of million dollars worth of drugs from them. When I say steal, we seized the drugs. We beat them out of the money. Well, we arrested them. We, we caused them time. We caused them problems. They had to pay off people to get themselves out of jail in the United States. I'm not saying Pat Sullivan was paid off. 
But uh, a federal judge at the time, Alcee Hastings, set bail for $8 million on the other defendant whose name was Alfredo Gutierrez. And the uh, my informants, at that time I'm back in Argentina, my informants telling me that Gasser is free already and that he's down in uh, uh, Argentina plotting the overthrow of the people that helped in his government to arrest him. And the other one, Gutierrez, has been told, wait a month and we'll drop your bail. Your bail will drop to one million to one million from eight. See, by sitting in jail, you save eight million bucks for a month. And that's exactly what happened. And I wrote cables to DEA headquarters and no response, no response whatsoever. Uh, Gutierrez was out of jail within a month. Later, the judge, Alcee Hastings, when this all of this was written up, in an article called The Great Cocaine Sting by Penthouse Magazine. They called it the greatest undercover sting in history. And when they wrote up that Alcee Hastings dropped the bail, he sued Penthouse. Wow. He sued Penthouse, and then he was subsequently arrested for taking bribes in another case, and he was the only federal judge ever kicked off the bench in, in our history. He now became a congressman in Washington. Wow, and, and, and all of this is in a big white lie. Uh, and so I'm sent back to DEA headquarters now under investigation. And this is where the wildest part of this story begins. Yeah. Sitting, I'm, I'm sitting in DEA headquarters in an office with no windows, with dark sunglasses on, leaning my head against a filing cabinet. I had the dark sunglasses on because... That way I could sleep and nobody could see me, see my eyes closed. Because I, I, quite frankly, uh, Brian, you know, I felt like I was losing it. I had uh, internal affairs working on me. I thought, you know, they, they were trying to destroy my career. They proved nothing, by the way. And the uh, the at, at that moment, I'm called up to the uh, the puzzle palace to talk to the, the leaders, the suits upstairs, and. I'm asked if I'm, I'm, will, I'm willing to go undercover in, in another operation. But before I'm even asked that, I'm brought into this room, and, and there in this room is this fantastically beautiful woman. She look. I'm trying to see who today she looks like. Sonia Atala, her name was. Sonia Atala. And she looks up, he was a Sofia Vergara, who is that? That that that's this. Uh, yeah, the Colombian one. So Vergara, that's right. Yeah, she looked kind of like a, a a little more petite Sofia Vergara, uh, in some Hayek kind of look. And she, sure. she looked like a cross between the two of them. And she's sitting there, beautifully dressed in a business suit, and she's looking me up and down. And all the suits are sitting there, and she starts to speak to me in Spanish. She's asking me questions about cocaine and the business. And at that time, I'd been doing so much undercover work, I knew how to make cocaine from the leaf. And I, it dawns on me as she's talking that I'm being auditioned. And she nods her head like, I'll do. And that's when the boss, one of the bosses asked me if I'm willing to work undercover. And what am I going to, the role is to pose as her lover and <laughs> a business partner. Uh, she oh my God, this is, I remember this from the book, actually. You wrote about this, didn't you? Yes, yeah, it's all in the big white line. Her photo's there, but I had to block her face out. In the oh, book. wow. So what happened? In the end, something really bad happened with her? 
Well, she, she's, she turned out to be protected by central intelligence. I mean, the story just goes, goes on and on. I, I ended up almost killing, uh, two internal affairs guys who were, it was a nightmare. It, it started out to be what you would call the dream undercover assignment, working, posing as the, the lover. And, uh, of course, the first thing I learned was that she had a contract on her life because the Bolivian government tried to squeeze her out of the business. And wow. she was originally selling cocaine for the Bolivian government, Sonia. She, she was the main source of cocaine to Pablo Escobar. And Pablo wow. named her the queen of cocaine. Yeah. And the, she got too big, and the Bolivian government tried to squeeze her out. And by not delivering cocaine to a, a man named Papo Mejia, Octavio Mejia, who was the most prolific killer, I think, in Colombian cartel history. He was at war with the woman who was just killed today, or the other day, Grisilda Blanco. Oh, okay. Octavio Mejia, they call her the godmother of cocaine. Well, Octavio and and uh, Grisilda, who I believe Octavio probably killed her because they both just got out of jail at the same time. Wow. Uh, and, and, and as I put in the book, when the government couldn't find Octavio Mejia, uh, he came through the airport in Miami uh, under a false name, and a man stepped out of the crowd, the guy by the name of Miguel Perez, and stabbed him 10 times with a bayonet. He was working for Grisilda Blanco. And of all things, Papo Mejia survived and stood trial, and I testified against him, and he went away for 20 years. He just got out a few years ago. Damn. And, and so did Grisilda Blanco, so... My bet is uh, it's Octavio Mejia that had her killed in Colombia, but I guess we'll we'll never know. But the, the rest of the story is the the adventures of Mike and Sonia Atala, the un, the strangest undercover team of quote unquote lovers in in drug war history, and the events are just too mind boggling. You just got to read the book and contact me if you have any questions. No, they're phenomenal reads. They really are. Quantum physics. Building strength and power for your mind, body, and spirit. If you train hard, you need to recover hard. Training elevates cortisol, but so does stress and tension. Stress is the number one health risk you face today. And not only causes you to put on abdominal fat, but it's also one of the contributing factors in the top six causes of death, which includes heart disease and cancer. But now you can relieve that stress, rebuild, recover, and feel great with fast-acting Gabitrol. Gabitrol works quickly to help you improve relaxation and recovery, reduce cortisol, elevating stress, and reduce binge eating. Plus, Gabitrol will also help you to get that deep, restful sleep. Warriors are built, not born. And now you can build a better body with fast-acting Gabitrol. Recommended by New York Times number one best-selling author, Dr. John Gray. Gabitrol is available now at rxstress.com. P28 High Protein Bread is the official bread of RX Muscle. Are you looking to incorporate more protein into your meals or just want to enjoy bread again? Then look no further. Try the 100% natural P28 High Protein Bread. P28 High Protein Bread is a formulated revolutionary breakthrough product. Packed with whey protein isolate, 14 grams of protein per slice, 12 grams of carbs, 8 essential amino acids, and made with 100% whole wheat. Fear bread no more. Build a better body with P28. Order today at highproteinbread.com. P28 is also now available at bodybuilding.com and many other retailers. Order now, highproteinbread.com. P28, 
bread. RX muscle approved. Fusion Bodybuilding makes bodybuilding's strongest supplements, and they're committed to giving back to you. Fusion Bodybuilding not only want to promote the bodybuilding lifestyle, but they also want to help build the sport. Bodybuilding is all they do. It's their obsession. You know the feeling. That's why you're here. Visit Fusion Bodybuilding at FusionBodybuilding.com or join in on the conversation on the Fusion Bodybuilding fan page on Facebook, where you'll find IFBB Pro Q&As, contest giveaways, and nothing but in-depth bodybuilding talk. Fusion Bodybuilding, bodybuilding's strongest supplements. Head over to FusionBodybuilding.com today. Quest Bars from Quest Nutrition is Dave Palumbo's favorite protein bar. It's the only bar that's not simply a candy bar in disguise. There's no sugar or sugar alcohols, no soy, and zero trans fat. Quest Bars contain only the highest grade protein from whey and milk protein isolates. Quest Bars are also the lowest carb bar available, only 4 to 5 grams, and they all come from nuts. Quest Bars are also gluten-free. Quest Bars were specifically made for people who are serious about their physiques and who want the highest quality ingredients. Best of all, they taste great. Learn more about Quest Bars by visiting questproteinbar.com and try them out for yourself. Check out questproteinbar.com now. rxmuscle.com Now you have a place to turn when you want the truth. On bodybuilding, diet and exercise, up-to-the-minute news and more. Visit the rxmuscle.com forums featuring celebrity Q&As with IFBB professional athletes, top amateurs, and the brightest minds in the industry. Listen to our weekly radio shows, including Heavy Muscle Radio, Muscle Girls Inc., After Hours, and more. Contest coverage, videos, even our own social networking site, RX Muscle Place. Visit RxMuscle.com. You know, Mike, one of the things you had on when you first began your show, probably like, I guess, 10, was it 15 years ago now, maybe somewhere around there on BAI? Yeah, 15 years. Still yeah, and I remember you said something about the uh, the church, the Grace Commission or the church report, where it said, um, I remember, and I quote, public incredulity takes care of the rest. What was this about? It was about why the public is so averse to the idea of conspiracy theories. This congressional report says that basically the CIA has just does what they want because the people will never believe. It. It's too far-fetched to believe. Is that not correct? Yeah, they count on that. And they, they, uh, they, they'll say those words. Do you think we would do this to our country? Do yeah. you? And, you know, thank God the, uh, that Judge Bonner had the, had the cojones to come out and get on 60 Minutes, and you'll see me right after him on 60 Minutes, and look at the camera and tell Mike Wallace, CIA are drug smugglers. It's on YouTube right now. Go find it yourself. Now, Mike, why was the CIA smuggling drugs? What was the reason for the, for, the, for this operation going on for so many years? Well, there's a whole lot of reasons. They're totally out of control. They're an agency that, that is as inept as you can imagine. That's why I used to call them the criminal inept agency. <laughs> also on, on YouTube, they, they hire informers, assets, agents, they call them. DEA calls them stool pigeons, snitches. But the CIA calls them agents because the age, their agents, quote-unquote agents, are a lot smarter than the CIA operatives. I mean, the, and, and consequently what happens is this. Uh, the Venezuelan National Guard, for instance, were CIA agents, end quote. And they got caught smuggling a ton of cocaine into Miami a few years ago. His name, General Guillen, his name was. And as soon as he's busted with a ton of ton of cocaine on a on a Venezuelan National Guard plane, he says, "I'm a CIA asset. I work for the CIA. I'm a CIA agent." Like that would get him out of jail. But nobody told the customs agents who made the arrest that, he was, that CIA had the right to smuggle drugs. <laughs> <laughs> 
And so the investigation, there was a secret investigation uh, conducted by Judge Bonner's organization, my old alma mater, DEA, and CIA. Now, while the outrage, while it was headlines, uh, uh, Woolsey, the then head of CIA, um, an attorney, was going around the country saying, oh, it was a snafu, a messed up operation, kind of like Fast and Furious, you know, a snafu. And the, but the secret investigation revealed, as Judge Bonner will say, if you, you see him on YouTube, that they just smuggled drugs. Nobody, when people were named, we knew who the CIA agents were. I, I ran many, many uh, shows on this theme saying, yeah, we, the, the head of the CIA station in Venezuela, his name, his name is uh, McDonald, I think. Um, right now, I can't remember. Um, McFarland or something like that. It's a lot of years now. Uh, he's named. They, got, they, had, his, they had him on, on screen in 60 minutes. Why isn't he indicted? He, he ran the operation. He went to DEA. He asked permission to have his agents smuggle cocaine into the U.S. He, the DEA agent in charge in Venezuela, Annabella Grimm, said, are you crazy? That's drug smuggling. You can't do that. We're on an intelligence gathering mission. No, you can't smuggle a ton of cocaine into the United States on an intelligence gathering mission. I mean, you know, the thing about CIA is they are so screwed up and so inept and so bad that we don't know if they really believe this or they're smuggling drugs for themselves because nobody ever investigated them. This guy should have been arrested, indicted, and everybody working with him should have been arrested. Instead, it became national secrecy, national security. We can't go after these drug smugglers. Thank God that Judge Bonner got on 60 Minutes and just said, they're drug smugglers. That's it. Uh, also, on I put on YouTube uh, a... Uh, Agent Operation Agent Brush, which in back in '96 or '97, uh, John Deutsch was the head of CIA for about a year or two or whatever, and he had a secret internal audit of the CIA agents, and he found that a third of them, over a thousand of their agents, earning hundreds of millions and billions of dollars in taxpayer salaries to be out there spying, were actually lying and giving false information and committing crimes like drug smuggling and murder and everything you could imagine while under the cover of their CIA cover. So uh, he fired, they called it Operation Agent Brush, and Deutsch fired one-third one of CIA's agents. And I was on, I went on the, uh, this is also on YouTube for you guys who want, I went on the Cryer Report, and that was the only media show that covered what, should have been a clue to the American people that this this is the criminal inept agency. They can't handle agents. They don't understand what it is to handle informers or assets or spies. They just don't know how to do it. And the trouble is, and this is something I teach right now, is you if you've got to have people handling agents and and assets and spies and stool pigeons, they've got to be a lot more streetwise than sure. the, the agent. And CIA is just not. They oh, yeah. are absolutely not. They're inept. They're still inept. Nobody's ever straightened them out. <laughs> uh, we're in for a lot more damage to the American people in, until Congress either totally shuts them down and starts up with a whole new agency of correctly or more appropriately vetted uh, officers because, you know, I keep ra I'm rambling because you keep, you, I'm going from one subject to another. If you go on the, my website for the show, uh, Expert Witness Radio, find 100 years experience. 
And the, oh, that was one of the shows you did many years ago. That's right, with those three experts. And, and we had uh, Ralph McGeezy, who was 25 years with the CIA. That's right. Uh, Les Swearingen, 25 years with FBA, FBI. Um, uh, uh, what the hell was his name? Uh, yeah, myself, I had my 26 years. And Dennis Dale, who had something like 30 years with DEA, most of it in the Middle East. So we had well over 100 years experience between us, and we predicted 9-11 back in 19- Yeah, no, I remember that, actually, yeah. And, and, and yeah, I mean, it's documented, the show is, is on the website, but the basis for our, our, our predicting 9-11 and much worse to come was a completely inept central intelligence, FBI, and, and the ability that these agencies have to manipulate media to hide their ineptitude. Sure, sure. You know, Mike, one thing you... Agent Brush is a great example. Only one mainstream media show covered the whole thing. Go out and Google Operation Agent Brush and see see what you find. Sure, sure. Nowhere. It's never been covered except for the uh, Cryer Report. That was the only place. Uh, You know, the... the, a uh, Bonner going on TV on 60 Minutes and saying CIA are drug smugglers based on the DN case. It's the, the only place you're going to see that is the CBS 60 Minutes show. It should sure. have been everywhere. Instead, you had Woolsey, the head of CIA, going everywhere and lying, saying, oh, it was just an intelligent snafu. No, it was drug Mike, smuggling. And Mike, the re- Mike. Yeah, my own investigation was it was more than a ton. That by the time they got caught with that ton, they had already smuggled 27 tons of cocaine into the United States. CIA agents had smuggled in this one case. So you, we're paying. Do you understand that we're paying trillions for a war on drugs, and we're paying this inept agency who's loaded with assets who do nothing but smuggle drugs and they're protecting them. And all of it's us guys, us guys who are there working and trying to protect our community and trying to make this country strong. We're being beat to death by the, uh, and media by not following the story and not being journalists and just listening to the public information office of central intelligence, FBI and printing the company line. And like you said, the rest is taken care of by public incredulity. You know, who would believe that? People just don't care because the media has them pointing their noses in the direction of Kim Kardashian and Jersey Shore. Mike, you, you know exactly what goes on here. It's, all like an overarching, um, you know, subterfuge of mind control to some degree. You have to almost laugh at it. It's almost comical. I think you'd have to agree. Oh yeah, it's kind of it's kind of black humor, you know, really dark humor. But you're right. When when uh, one of the ways I keep my sanity is by just saying, "Holy mackerel!" You know, people still believe this. People still believe that. I get called by the media all the time. Uh, one New York Times reporter called me. Two weeks ago or so, the hot story was cocaine is now coming out of Ecuador, I think, or something like that. And and I wanted to know how much and how much cocaine is worth. And and I said, you know, don't you go back in your own archives and you're going to see that you've written the same story a thousand times over, only different countries. You're pimping. You're pimping the drug war. Don't you know that? And this guy was hilarious. This guy seemed like a nice guy. So I told him the story of how uh, the the percent that how we America found out, America learned that our drug war defenders caught 
10% of the drugs coming in, that's the figure you heard, isn't it, right? We get 10% of the drugs we catch coming across the border. Did you hear that figure? I've heard it before, yeah. Okay, now, how did that figure happen? Well, we go back to 1982. I just got transferred to DEA headquarters from, from my post in Argentina, and the phone rings, and it's an Associated Press uh, journalist, and he said to me, I answered the phone, and, you know, being cocaine desk or something, whatever job I had in headquarters at that time, he said, can you tell me what percentage of drugs you guys catch coming across the border? And, and I repeated what he said, and there were about four or five guys sitting around me. One of them leans back, and he says, tell him 10%. So I said, we get 10%. And that became it. That was science. From that time on, everybody, every media talking head knows that we get 10%. You, know, that, you, you just heard where that scientific figure yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy. It's true. I mean, life is crazy. Right? You know, Mike, one of the things you had on your show a long time ago was the book, uh, The Boys in the Tracks, about, um, you know, two boys that were killed in Mena, Arkansas, I believe. Just yeah. out of curiosity, um, you know, do you have an opinion about the role of the, of the Clinton family? Because obviously Mena, Arkansas, was a big depot for drug smuggling. Uh, do you think the Clintons or anybody else at a higher level was involved in any way, or you're not really sure? I don't think so. I don't think any. I, I I think these politicians are just like um, head head in the hole ostriches. They don't you know they don't want to know. They all they want to do is get elected. Yeah, they're willing yeah. to lie. They're willing to pimp themselves out. But you know when it comes to smuggling, they don't they don't have the cojones to to, to be involved in drug smuggling. Very that takes that takes guts and and guts and uh, being a politician are two different things. Sure, sure. It takes a kind of uh, real courage. I mean, you throw your life. There goes your life. You you get into the drug smuggling business, there's no Judge Wapner. Uh, you're in a business where one false move, one bad contract, and you got people who want to shoot and kill you. Sure. Like, not you, they want to kill your family. So you've, you've got to be a certain... You've got to be of a certain metal. You've got to be a kind of, even though you're on the wrong side of the law, you have to have the heart of a warrior. You really sure. do. Sure. And I've you know, never met a politician that had that heart. Oh, yeah. No, I agree. Mike, one of the recent um, controversial figures to come out that I think you've actually covered a little bit on your show is uh, Julian Assange. Do you think he's a hero or a villain for what he's done? I don't know. I'll I tell you the truth. You know, I'm, I'm <laughs> glad he's out there. <laughs> You're glad he's out there. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad a guy like him is out there because, you know, what, what? as far as I'm concerned, what he did show is the real, the real caliber of some of the people leading us around the world, how really low rent they are, how stupid, how venal. And, you know, he did what mainstream media never did, and he put him out there for you to really just scorn. Now, whether he went too far and and playing with stuff that really affects uh, uh, public safety or not, I don't know. I don't have enough facts to understand that. But the good side of what he did is that he did what journalists don't have the guts to do. He did what journalists no longer do. Uh, ever since uh, Woodward and Bernstein, journalists are just court reporters. And yeah. Assange uh, kind of highlighted that with his exposures. No, yeah, I think you're right. 
One of the more controversial shows you had on, Mike, and, and, and I have to ask you this and see what you think about it, was uh, there was a woman on that was, and I quote, a presidential sex slave. Is that right? She was part of an operation. Yeah, Do you I remember that show? You know, no, it's not true. I, I mean, I don't believe it. You she don't? She okay. believed it. I, I know. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, I, I mean, I did, I did a couple of those shows kind of tongue-in-cheek. I know, know, I know. You've had a few of those. I just had to ask you that question if you believed it or not. <laughs> they didn't come to you. <laughs> you know, you got something special, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, they so got funny. about it, man. They they spotted they spotted it in you when you were nine years old and spotted. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, like you said, each one deserves to be heard, but it has to be the compilation of the evidence and the facts. You know, yeah. you know, Mike. One thing this show strives for the overarching theme is for the, our listeners to take control of their lives. We've shown our listeners how you know the best doctors from Harvard, in spite of their best intentions, end up blasting people with toxic chemotherapy and not really helping cancer patients, for example, how the best bankers from Harvard and Yale ended up blowing up the economy. Uh, you know, again, don't trust authority. It's better off to learn the facts on yourself and go by your own experience. What do you feel has been the overarching theme of your show, Expert Witness Radio? That's exactly that. The, the, uh, our theme has been to take the news and events in the news and show you that you're, you're being told nothing but the company line. Company and line, yeah. It's not really difficult. You know, myself and Christina Borgeson, when she was the producer of the show, we were invited to do uh, a speech or a presentation at the Columbia School of Journalism. That is the premier school of journalism. Sure, of course. World. And these were all graduate students. And after after. Uh, I, I spoke about my experiences, my experiences with the media, my experiences um, as an international undercover agent and dealing with this, uh, particularly with media people. One of them said to uh, another, and I heard him, he said, how, do you get a, how do you get a source like him? And yeah. the, uh, it, 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 to me, that was mind-boggling, the whole thing. There's an article I wrote about um, the media, just in the drug war, and I wrote an essay, and I wrote it in Christina Borgeson's book, uh, which won all kinds of awards as a media critique, and the book is uh, Into the Buzzsaw, and Into the oh, Buzzsaw yeah. That's are right. those journalists who dared uh, not toe the company line. And dead to go after a story on their own and not listen to the front office of CIA or whatever major media corporation you could imagine and how they paid with their careers. And I wrote uh, an article called Mainstream Media, The Drug War Shills. And every American, I believe, should just read the article. Mainstream sure. media, the drug war shows, and you'll have a new appreciation of why there is an expert witness show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mike, we're out of time, but for listeners who want to get more, do you have a particular website you want to sh uh, show them to go to? Uh, yeah, com. Okay. and the other is expertwitnessradio.org, expertwitnessradio.org. Org. And you have all the archives there from past shows? Yes, I do. 
Oh, that's awesome. I mean, my listeners, you really have to tune in. Some of these shows are just amazing. Uh, just, you know, again, a ten over a 10-year history of just amazing compilation of shows and authors. Uh, once again, this has been Mike Levine. Mike, I want to thank you for your time. It's been great having you on. And I yeah, see you and Howard. I, I have, uh, I don't know, 40 or 50 D, uh, CDs of uh, the 100-year experience show. You know, when oh, wow. we first so if you want to, if you give just tell, give me an address. You want to give them away? Just call me. I'll send uh, forty or fifty of them to you. Oh, that's great! Good bonus for my listeners. That that's awesome, Mike. I'll definitely be in touch then. Yeah. Those, awesome. by the way, were sold once for a BAI fundraiser, um, and we were we were selling them for I think fifteen hundred a piece. Wow. So, no, it's great. I appreciate that offer. Of them went in those years. So it, it, it's an extraordinary thing for an American to listen to, I think. Oh, definitely. We're out of time. we got to wrap it up. I want to thank you all for tuning in. Once again, this is Quantum Physiques here on rxmuscle.com. I'm your host, Brian Cunningham. Stay tuned next week for another fantastic show. Thanks for tuning in. Quantum Physiques with Brian Cunningham is dedicated to harnessing the power of the holy grail of health, fitness, lifestyle, and success. And